And we are back here on Unusual Sources, 93.3 CFMU-FM. That's right, we're broadcasting at cfmu.ca. I can see the website here in front of me. we got a big screen to talk with our listeners and stuff. And yes, the new website is cfmu.ca, and we're on there too, Unusual Sources. And you can check it out. You can see us on the website. We've got pictures and stuff of the individual programs. And I believe joining us today on the program, we have Canadian author, and journalist Eve Angler. Let's see if he's on the line. Eve, are you here with us today? I am. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah you've been making a splash. You've written about 100 articles in the last month. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's great because there's so many different and diverse subjects. As you point out in uh, the material for the upcoming lecture that's coming to Hamilton on the 7th of November, uh, you know, Canada's got its hands in all sorts of things abroad, from Venezuela to Russia to the Middle East uh, and elsewhere. Uh, and we have um, continuity of policy, foreign policy. I guess that's what we're talking about because you are coming to Hamilton Tuesday, November 7 at 7 o'clock p.m. at the New Vision United Church at 24 Main Street West. So, uh, of course, we've hosted you many times in Hamilton, and um, you've always had a lot to say about new developments in Canadian foreign policy. Uh, in the, the, this lecture is called The Ugly Canadian Justin Trudeau's misguided foreign policy for Canada. A uh, lot to get into there, but I know we hosted your earlier book, The Ugly Canadian, and it was about uh, Stephen Harper's policy. Uh, what, what was that book? I mean, that was a couple of years back now. I, what, what were you trying to say in the book about Stephen Harper's uh, foreign policy in particular? Well, um, yeah, that, that was a 2012 book. Basically, it was showing how uh, Stephen Harper had, um, uh, you know, sort of put Canada in a, in a bad light uh, internationally by pursuing a uh, pro-corporate, pro-militarist, uh, extreme Western-centric uh, foreign policy. Uh, and, uh, you know, the cases were many different uh, examples of that from uh, bombing of Libya in 2011 to extreme pro-Israel support to uh, trying to oppose international climate negotiations to backing Canadian mining companies uh, all around the world, and, and the list list goes on. Um, so that that's what that book was kind of laying out, and uh, unfortunately, there was uh, lots of uh, evidence and data and instances, examples to uh, to make the case that uh, that Stephen Harper represented a, an ugly uh, foreign policy, um, and uh, that hasn't unfortunately changed um, uh, that much under um, under uh, Justin Trudeau. Yeah, talk about not changing. I remember the Hamilton Coalition to Stop the War was founded in 2002 to deal with George W. Bush's war of aggression against Iraq, which, of course, was a continuation of his father's policies of the 1990s. And, uh, of course, we we haven't been able to close or end the organization here in Hamilton because the wars have uh, continued. Uh, the, the war in Iraq is still ongoing. Uh, it's expanded to Syria. Uh, you've got the war in Afghanistan, which is not over. Um, and actually, there's about seven ongoing wars, at least right now, that the United States is involved in. B 
but in the case of Canada, yeah, I, you know, the, the Harper thing, we, yeah, we brought your book, we toured it, you know, it was pretty successful. There was a lot of people that were upset about Harper. You know, it was damaging the image of dear old Canada. Uh, and, you know, everyone was up in arms because, oh, Harper is, you know, so bad and it's destroying Canada. And of course, you know, I was part of the, the demonstrations against his various policies and, you know, his a- attack on, you know, pe- pe- people's rights here domestically as well as the wars. So we were part of that saying, you know, Harper's policies have to end. Uh, and so he was gone. And we got Trudeau in, and, you know, magical Trudeau. And so everything is okay now. Uh, and, you know, the evil Harper years are over and Canada is back. So, uh, of course, that's the opposite of what you're saying. Um, so, I mean, uh, in terms of the uh, the Trudeau policy, uh, you know, a, a lot of people breathed a sigh of relief when he got in, but you don't think that was justified at all. So why is that? Well, I think I think there's some, there's some modest, very, in, say, modest with a extreme underline their uh, improvements. I think there's some rhetorical improvements. I don't think that Trudeau's as extreme on his uh, pro-Israel policy, uh, and rhetorically. In practice, they are voting against, they voted against this whole series of UN resolutions that upheld Palestinian rights that basically the whole world supports, while continuing all the under sort of underlying policies that support uh, Israel's ongoing dispossession of Palestinians through charities, uh, through military accords with the Israeli military, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, um, on a question like uh, mining, the Trudeau government uh, hasn't been, uh, in the first two years, as over the top in, in backing, um, uh, you know, in, in you know, Trudeau flying places, or at least that I've seen media reports of, of Trudeau flying places and just, you know, giving his complete defense of a Canadian mining company locked in a conflict with the local community. Um, they have nonetheless been continuing that policy that all kinds of elements of the Canadian state uh, backing uh, Canadian mining companies abroad, uh, including the Canadian ambassador to Tanzania backing Barrett Gold and probably the most controversial Canadian mining company globally. Uh, in, their mo- in their most controversial con- country they operate, where there's been dozens of people killed at their mine, where they're involved in a big conflict with Tanzanian government uh, um, uh, over unpaid taxes. So the mining sector, you know, not as strong, not quite as over-the-top and strong rhetorically as Trudeau, as Harper was, but continuing the underlying policy. Uh, on militarism, you see the Trudeau's expand Canada's military presence uh, on Russia's border, troops in Latvia, uh, troops in Ukraine, continuing the, the, the training mission in, in the Ukraine, uh, troop Canadian troops in Romania, um, looks like, you know, the Canadian naval vessel in the region, uh, you know, they were literally right on the border, uh, uh, in Latvia, right on the border of Russia. That's always, you know, potential for sparking something uh, that could, you know, turn into major uh, uh, global global problem. Uh, they've, they've talked about increasing major increasements to Canadian military budget, increasing the, the size of the Canadian Special Forces by, by more than 600 members. Canadian Special Forces, the whole point of the Canadian Special Forces, or the primary point of the Canadian Special Forces, is that they can be deployed secretly abroad, and there's numerous examples of Canadian specials being deployed to be, you know, used in very highly politicized ways that, you know, undermine democracy in the case of Haiti, uh, nighttime assassination missions in the case of Afghanistan, um, ongoing uh, operations in in Iraq, uh, possibly even Syria uh, today, uh, etc. So so the continuing the the militarist, many elements of the militarist policy of, of, uh, of Harper, 
Um, uh, you know, something like Iran, they've dialed down some of the rhetoric on Iran, but they haven't removed Iran from Canada's uh, uh, state sponsor of terrorism list. They haven't uh, restarted diplomatic relations. Um, so, so you know, look at you got to look at each case kind of uh, individually. Or you take a case like Venezuela. Venezuela is a very good example where, in fact, they they probably even ramped up um, the policy. You know, the recent sanctions against the government of Venezuela, which these sanctions that violate almost certainly violate uh, the UN Charter, violate the the Organization of American States Charter. Canadian um, policy towards uh, Venezuela in recent uh, months has been. Uh, incredibly aggressive uh, in terms of trying to undermine uh, uh, the government there. Um, so, so yeah, you can look at all the different cases, and you know, there's, there's details. There's uh, some variance here and there, um, but the underlying policies uh, have, I think, big picture, have have stayed the same. And that's where you get into questions of, you know, what drives Canadian foreign policy. Uh, it's not just the, you know, individuals at the at the head. It's not just the Stephen Harpers or the Justin Trudeaus. It's uh, questions that are, I think, more uh, structural questions uh, to Canadian you know, political and economic life. Yes, uh, to some degree, you, you need to conduct an academic analysis of, of that. I mean, really, it seems the problem that you're describing, uh, the, the liberal policies are almost the same as the conservative policies. It's slightly toned down on, on a few issues and actually ramped up on, on other issues. We're, we're dealing with an extreme center in, in the sense, you know, we, we have a very hegemonic neoliberalism, uh, the, the idea of uh, a global corporatism. And uh, the liberals uphold those policies. The conservatives uphold those policies. It's hard to find any sort of dissent in, in the electoral sphere in Canada from those policies. And, of course, in the United States, you won't find uh, dissent in, in the electoral sphere in, in the major parties or in most of uh, Europe. Uh, there's, as I said earlier on the program, some cracks starting to form uh, in this places like the U.K. Um, and, and elsewhere. But really, yeah, you, you, get, you have one choice. And, and that's for the U.S.-led world order, the Washington Consensus, really. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is, this is what has been uh, really um, holding back politics in, in much of the world, and it's starting to really cause some convulsions. Um, you, you know, it seems misguided. I, the, the word that's used in the advertising for the event, it says, the ugly Canadian, Justin Trudeau's misguided foreign policy for Canada. And I'm not I'm not sure that's the best word, really, because we're, we're, we seem to be dealing with a quite deliberate policy, a deliberate policy to undermine a socialist government in Venezuela, a deliberate policy to ratchet up tensions with a nuclear power, uh, Russia, a deliberate policy to destabilize multiple countries in the Middle East. So maybe we called it the wrong thing with uh, misguided. This seems more like a, a deliberate policy, right? Agreed completely. I mean, I think that, I think that there's... Uh, um, the continuity between different governments speaks to Canada's role. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, 10,000 employees at Foreign Affairs, well, now even more with uh, the Canadian National Development Agency, it's probably like towards 15,000 employees uh, in that branch of Canadian foreign policy. They are uh, uh, Canadian embassies around the world. The foreign desks uh, in Ottawa are pursuing calculated policies. They have multiple people working on all of these files. Uh, they have dozens and dozens of employees at the Canadian Embassy in Caracas that are, you know, working with opposition forces. Um, uh, it isn't it isn't just, a, you know, bumbling into uh, immor- immoral policies. It's, it's, um, it's, it's pursuing policies that serve power, um, you know, that's be it 
primarily uh, Canada's ties to the U.S. Empire and the interests of Canadian corporations. And that's that's the overwhelming forces that are driving Canadian foreign policy. And even even you know you go beyond even Justin Trudeau. That's just if you were to presume, and there's no reason to presume to, to presume as much. But if you were to presume that Trudeau actually wanted to go in a more um, uh, humanistic, internationalist kind of direction, um, he's very much constrained by what he what he could do. Uh, and that's why you see even you know when you start getting into the NDP and and the lack of opposition uh, in the electoral sphere. Uh, to Canadian foreign policy, right? Um, the recent NDP leadership race, uh, there were some advances made on the question of Palestine and, and, and the, the leadership candidates pushing, pushing that question. But if you actually looked more generally, there was almost no dissent around increasing Canada's military budget. Uh, there was almost no dissent around the fact that the, the NDP foreign affairs critic was basically uh, pushing Trudeau to take even more hardline positions against the elected government in Venezuela. Uh, there's uh, you know, very little about, uh, you know, pulling Canada out of NATO. Um, and that's where we get into the question of the, the social forces in this country and, and the need to build those anti-war organizations, the international solidarity organizations that shift the, the you know, the political culture, that shift the, the debate and that, um, that, you know, push against the, the U.S. empire slash Canadian corporate uh, interests that are driving this uh, this ugly foreign policy, uh, whether it's under under the uh, the face of uh, Stephen Harper or Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Now, for those just tuning in, of course, we're speaking with Eve Angler, Canadian journalist and author, author of numerous books. He's coming to Hamilton to lecture on the ugly Canadian Justin Trudeau's misguided foreign policy for Canada on November seventh at the New Vision United Church at seven o'clock. PM. Uh, I find it very interesting what you're saying, Eve, uh, in terms of the continuity and just putting a different face uh, on the empire. Uh, seems Canada never really left. And you know, even in the NDP, uh, there's been some improved candidates, people like Nikki Ashton, backed by good people. But of course, it's very limited still on, on, on the palette, on, on what's on offer in the NDP. Uh, now, um, I thought that uh, you seem to have a lot to say about Venezuela. Uh, you've been writing articles about it, and, uh, you know, people don't talk about the Canadian role there. It's very interesting. I'm here at McMaster, a lot of social liberals here, and they, they you know, they're all progressive, forward-thinking on social causes. Many embrace Justin Trudeau or the liberals. It's, you know, oh, we're, we're nice people. We're moving things ahead. Well, you know, here's a, a government that um, has a lot of things that union members and public servants in this area would, would want to see in, in terms of uh, significant social programs, redistribution, the empowering of, of popular movements and people at a local level. Uh, this is something, you know, you'd think uh, you'd, you'd want to see supported, um, but instead you get a lot of negative press from the corporate media and a deliberate and ongoing attempt to strangle the country. And Trudeau, this government, is, is part of that. Can you tell us more about, you know, Canada's sanctions or what we're, we're actually doing to, to affect the political situation in Venezuela? Well, in, you know, in recent months, uh, Christian Freeland, the foreign minister, has tweeted or put out uh, press releases on multiple, since I think towards a dozen occasions, criticizing uh, the the uh, Maduro government in Venezuela, uh, putting all blame for uh, all protest and all the the violence at at protests uh, uh, on the foot of the government. Uh, even though there's you know abundance of evidence showing that uh, opposition forces were involved in uh, all kinds of killing. I mean, to the point of like 
burning burning uh, a, a black person alive because he was sort of identified as being a shavista tied to the government. Uh, uh, so you know the 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 uh, Trudeau government has has really taken up the charge. They've taken up the charge at the Organization of American States in terms of uh, uh, trying to undermine uh, 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 the Maduro government. There's uh, also the the uh, ambassador. A Canadian ambassador to Venezuela who just resigned or just retired after three years as ambassador um, made this just quite a, a, a strong admission uh, in the Ottawa Citizen as in this big sort of laudatory uh, piece about uh, uh, about his uh, diplomatic policies, uh, his diplomatic career, um, how Canada's tied into the opposition working. They always frame it as, you know, uh, defending human rights and the you know, human rights defenders in, in Venezuela, but that's, of course, Always the human rights of of uh, those who are opposing the government, and uh, you know, not people you know being killed by opposition forces and the like. Um, and 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 this is this is the history. The history to this: Canada has been funding opposition groups in Venezuela going back uh, multiple years. Uh, the Sumate is the best known example. Gave uh, uh, twenty two thousand bucks to this this uh, so called uh, human rights organization. Brought the head of the organization. This is somebody who had signed the uh, uh, Carmona decree in 2002, which uh, when Chavez was, was overthrown and, and they abolished uh, all the, all the uh, uh, political bodies in the country and just created a dictatorship. Um, uh, so Samate was tied into that. Uh, so this is you know, far from democracy uh, promotion, which is how the Canadian government frames the, for, the, 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 pay, the uh, funding of opposition, opposition groups in, in Venezuela. And so, so this is the continuation. The 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 uh, Harper government was very aggressive in its opposition to the Venezuelan government. Um, uh, and and you know, there's there's you can sit back and look at some of the situation in Venezuela and you can say, well, I you know, I the the Bolivarian Revolution didn't do enough in terms of getting the country off of its dependence on oil. It didn't do enough in terms of in terms of uh, dealing with corruption and de- during dealing with uh, you know uh, a crime in the country, there are, there are legitimate criticisms to made against the uh, the Chavez Maduro governments. Um, but big picture, this is uh, this is an attempt at at social transformation in a highly democratic manner. This is a movement that's won 19 of 21 elections over the past uh, two de- two decades. Uh, uh, this is you know an attempt at both empowering uh, those who are disempowered and and improving uh, the lot of, of people, and it has been broadly successful. The last couple of years has been there's been some difficulties, but if you look at at, at, at uh, indicators in terms of uh, um, extreme poverty, in terms of literacy, in terms even in the midst of all this difficult times, drop the price of oil recent years, uh, built. I think it's a million houses, social houses, uh, you know, public houses. You know, this is you know looking at context in Toronto or Vancouver, um, cities where uh, you know the issue of, of housing costs is an incredibly you know top of mind issue. Um, this is something that the Venezuelan government has been able to do even in, in, in tough times. Um, so, so you know the 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 Canadian government's uh, opposition to the to the Venezuelan government in recent months is, and in recent years. The sort of continuation, they, they 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 sense a weakness, and this is what's going on: is that the Trump administration in the U.S. and and the Canadian government sense a, sense weakness, and that's why they're pushing harder. That's why they brought in the sanctions uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Canada fall, the U.S. move. Uh, that's why they're trying. They think they have a chance of actually, um, you know, 
instigating a coup or 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 in some way uh, destabilizing the government to actually be able to uh, to overturn the government. Um, and uh, people in Canada should be appalled by it. And, and other also uh, supporters of the NDP should be appalled by the fact that the NDP foreign critic has basically supported this uh, on multiple occasions uh, in recent months and over the past uh, past couple of years. Yes, you make some very good points here. And with reference to Venezuela and its internal politics, it's true. There are things that the government could be doing to improve its position and make itself more resilient or less vulnerable to foreign or domestic forms of uh, of interference, although it really depends on one's political outlook as to what kind of advice you'd give. It's it's kind of strange because here on the university campus, you know, there's an enormous campaign to raise awareness about the danger of sexual assault, the problem of sexual assault. And, you know, if, if someone is in danger of being assaulted, you know, they... The, the main advice is not, you know, you shouldn't have, you should not have worn that dress or you should not have had that alcohol or you should not have gone to that party. The main advice they give today is don't assault people, you know, and, and that seems to be what we need for our government. It's not uh, blame Venezuela for this or they should have done this and therefore we're going to condemn them. Uh, it's more like don't assault Venezuela. Get out of there. Bring out, you know, don't fund violent people or movements that are trying to destabilize the country and things like that. It's, uh, you know, stop interfering. Um, and that, and that, that perspective seems to be missing from a lot of discussion. Uh, before we go, um, you mentioned Christia Freeland there. And yes, it's uh, interesting. She seems to have a lot of negative things to say about the elected government, the very democratically elected government participating in so many elections and so forth in Venezuela, but uh, she's uh, much more lenient towards the government in Ukraine, which I believe was brought in uh, via a violent overthrow. Uh, she's, um, she's very generous to that. So, uh, it, it, you know, there's, a, there's a really a question of self-interest here at this point um, for us as citizens and Canadians, because the government's policy is to escalate tensions in Ukraine, a very divided country and involving itself in a civil war and to amass military forces all along the Russian border uh, and to get into direct confrontations seemingly or nearly with Russians in Syria. It was never even this bad during the Cold War where the great powers, the nuclear armed powers, fought via proxy forces. Now we're in danger of direct confrontation between powers that are organized to have nuclear weapons uh, capable of being brought out in a conflict. So, I mean, this is very dangerous. I mean, there, there really should be more activism on this, shouldn't there? I mean, aside from all this juvenile demonization of Russia and blaming it for everything that happens, we need to be looking at ways to de-escalate and bring back the, the international policies and conferences and stuff that, that was used to de-escalate and, and get rid of nuclear weapons. Is that going to be happening or are, is Trudeau just going to keep pushing ahead? What's going on with the, the Freeland administration there? Well, I, I mean, they're, they're pushing ahead. I mean, there was just an announcement yesterday about NATO more uh, uh, enhancing military presence in, in uh, Romania. Uh, um, all, it's all about, you know, all, I don't know how many countries now, it's four or five countries, six countries on the border of Russia that, that uh, are right in the region that, that there's now NATO forces stationed uh, on, uh, explicitly uh, directed at Russia. Um and and obviously, you know, using Canada's been basically Canada, U.S., other European countries using the Ukraine as as part of a battle to weaken to weaken Russia. And there's you know Canadian troops there, and there's Canada's uh, delivering weaponry um, to the government in Ukraine. And uh, and obviously, you know, at the diplomatic level, there's recently the Canadian government brought in that Mag- Magnatsi Act a couple of days ago, um, which is 
based on a uh, a U.S. Um, um, legislation that's about sanctioning uh, Russia, and uh, and so so you know there there's, it's um, there there is there is limited. Uh, I think people people feel a sense of um, of uh, either disconnect and and weakness. People you know there's so much confusion. There's so many lies floating around about. But what what Canadian foreign policy is about, and and I think they just and also do another point you made about uh, the, the non-intervention. I mean, I think, I think that it has to be central to any uh, genuinely justice-oriented Canadian foreign policy in the short to medium term. The primary issue is just stay out of other people's affairs, and but that's very difficult. That goes against so much of liberal. Canadian foreign policy rhetoric of the world needs more Canada, of peacekeeping, of basically we're just inherently benevolent on the international stage, and so um, the, the 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 ideological battle in terms of of uh, uh, convincing the public that that we shouldn't be giving our politicians free hand to just do whatever they want because they're not doing it in the interests of humanity collective humanity they're doing in interests of you know other other forces um that's uh that's a, that's a you know central political battle and uh and um and i think that uh you know when you when you run up against uh, justin trudeau's foreign policy that's a big part of what you run up against is the sort of uh, a, a kind of a prettier face to uh to the continued uh, aggressive policy and in the case of in the case of uh, eastern europe they have they have clearly ramped up uh, ramped up the policy, ramped up the military uh, presence, and uh, let's hope it's uh, let's hope it's just you know the best case scenario is just it's a bunch of wasted money. Um, some Canadian troops spend a couple years in Latvia, um, um, uh, uh, but the worst case scenario is, is something uh, you know much more uh, much more dangerous than that. Yes, I couldn't have put it any better. We're running into the old problem of. Canadian colonialism, Canada always being part of the empire, uh, the belief that we are do-gooders and that we're doing good abroad versus what most of the rest of the world thinks, which is that people should be left alone, there shouldn't be interference, that they should be able to pursue their own destiny uh, without these people trotting all over them, the same kind of people that have been doing this for hundreds of years to them, and it always makes things worse. So uh, I'm glad you're able to come. Uh, are you going to be able to sell books there? Uh, do you have, are you bringing anything with you at this uh, thing on the 7th? I'll have I'll have copies of my previous books um, and uh, they'll uh, um, yeah so I'll have copies of previous books and they can find you at your website because that's uh, eveengler.com, I think or yep.com most of my uh, articles appear there and there's been a lot of them lately people should check it out all right well <laughs> thanks very much Eve we appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, that's great we'll see you on the the seventh and um, uh, it's a way to keep people much better educated so uh, thanks very much and uh, we'll we'll see you in November. Looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Brett. Thanks, Eve. And that was uh, Eve Engler, and uh, he has written more books than I can really count offhand, mainly focusing on Canada's foreign policy in numerous areas of the world. He's done more than anyone single-handedly to expose the fact that Canada is pursuing self-interest and the interest of its imperial partners abroad rather than some kind of uh, humanitarian ethic. And that is a policy that operates irregardless of who is in charge of Canada nominally. Uh, so uh, he'll be here again uh, November 7th at 7 o'clock p.m. New Vision United Church, 24 Main Street West, across from Hamilton City Hall. It's wheelchair accessible, located across from Hamilton City Hall and next door to the um, HSR McNabb bus terminal. Uh, the admission is free. You might want to 
bring some money to pick up some of uh, Eve's books. Uh, anyway, that's it for now. Uh, we'll be back after this. <laughs> 